1: All right. Hey, beautiful people. Welcome back. This is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. Thank you so much for all the support. Uh, today, we've got a very fun topic that's near and dear to ourselves. We're going to speak
0: about male plastic surgery um, the types of procedures, why get them, um, what they entail, and. Um, We'll shed some light on, on what we do for people and some normal statistics on what's been done over the last year, how we do it, invasive, non-invasive, and take it from there.
1: Awesome. You know, the interesting part, I think, uh, used to be the common adage, you know, men age like fine wines, and that has been accepted for the longest period of time. And I think now, especially with the advent of social media and things like that, um, you know we're kind of looking at each other and asking ourselves, why? why why is it that uh, you know our counterparts are can maintain their youth through procedures and staving off aging, and we just ride the wave and allow it to happen? Now, there are certain reasons why we tend to age at a slower rate. And obviously one of the main ones is the fact that we have hair-bearing skin, it's 40% thicker than females. And so our fine lines and wrinkles show up a little bit later. Uh, But it always gets us all, you know, That's there's one thing that we can always count on is that uh, age will find each one of us. And I think now we're getting to the point where we say, look, you know, I don't want to age like a fine wine. I think uh, I would rather preserve uh, because if my wife or girlfriend or significant other is starting to look younger and younger or maintaining their youth, I want to do the same.
0: Absolutely. And, and we'll talk about how to avoid surgery um, and things you can do when you're younger that can really kind of halt the progression of aging. And not only just halt the progression of aging, but just make you look better and better mm-hmm. the older you get. I've got a perfect example. He's sitting right next to me. <laughs> uh, he's, he seems to age in reverse. Um, I, used to, I used to call him Benjamin Button. Um, but really, you know, I think that, uh, you know, for, for, I'm going to ask you what you do. Um, and then we're going to talk about what we can do without having any surgery. Without necessarily really going under the knife at all, to keep yourself looking good well beyond your 50s, well beyond your 50s into your 60s, because I'm about to be 50 soon.
1: (laughs) Happy early birthday. It's coming up. Um, You know, the the thing is, I want to preface it by saying, listen, after age 18, we lose 1% per year of collagen and elastin. And that happens regardless, male, female. Uh, It doesn't matter ethnicity. Um, There are certain reasons why we say that uh, certain ethnicities uh, will have a a longer-lasting youthful appearance. And it really has to do, one, with the thickness of skin and also the production of melanin. Melanin, you have to imagine. When you go out in the sun, it's like an umbrella. So melanin protects the skin from harmful UV rays, and as I had mentioned in an earlier podcasts, we know that the sun is our main enemy. Even though it's such a wonderful thing, it brings life and it makes us feel good, and gives you that nice golden glow. It's secretly damaging our DNA, and so we got to take the uh, the bad with the good. And the idea is, you know, we've talked about precautionary measures. We say wear sunscreen. Uh, you know, avoid burning and direct sunlight and things like that. Uh, but life happens, and so. And the goal today, I think, you know, uh, if there's anything we can do, one point to take away to say for preservation, uh, it would be apply sunscreen early, uh, hydrate. And uh, now we're going to look at some of the tips and tricks uh, that we can do to help slow down and even reverse the aging process.
0: Absolutely. And, I, and I'll just speak for myself. Uh, the first time I ever got Botox, and this is, a, this is great because I have had, really deep lines in my forehead for years. And I think one of the reps came in and we were doing training and, and they said, hey, why don't you get some Botox? And I said, no, I'm a man. I don't get Botox, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and listen, I'm a plastic surgeon and I'm saying that. So there is that sti- there was a stigma for years about, oh, you're going to make me look weird. I'm mm-hmm. going to look like I've been operated on. I'm going to look strange. I don't want to look plastic. Well, I did it. And I'll tell you right now, those forehead lines that were becoming incredibly permanent and were becoming deep, which then in turn made me look older, all of a sudden started going backwards. Mm-hmm. And because I wasn't making those lines, those those expressions as, as strong as I was before, as forcefully as, as I was before, those lines started disappearing. And now I can say, you know, Thirteen, almost almost thirteen years into practice. And I don't get Botox as much as I guess I should, but I get it at least two to three times a year. And it has significantly changed the upper third of my face. Mm-hmm.
1: Um you, it's so funny. I, I've got a buddy of mine that we're in this group chat and uh, you know, he's an Italian guy that he's macho, uh, he's a man's man. And he says, "I will never get Botox." And you know, it's so funny because I understand where he's coming from. You don't, you know, we don't want to feminize uh, our masculinity, but at the same time, um, I think there's a right and wrong way to use some of the technology and tools that we have our at our disposal. And unfortunately, the public sees so much of the bad because that 's what media loves, they pick up the bad and show you you know the potential risks out there and things like that, um, but there are things if done correctly, no one will ever know, and i don't think that takes away from masculinity so any guy who's listening out there i'll tell you right now, um you know listen, you do what you want, but the idea is if you can slow down aging, who wouldn't want to it doesn't matter sometimes if you feel you're you're younger if you you know you have that air about you Are younger if you look old you look old i mean there's no way around it so in my perspective obviously i'm biased i'm a plastic surgeon but um you know for me i think again using the tools at our disposal correctly can only have
0: a positive impact and and the reason I brought up Botox and that I did it is because it is the number one most common procedure done to men. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it's not surgery, so we can we, we can really kind of split things up between surgical and non-surgical. But the most common thing that that we do for men, whether it's plastic surgeons, dermatologists, anti-aging uh, procedure, is Botox. It's we've talked about this on our previous episodes. It's you can do it once every th- you know. Three to four months. And it really does halt the progression of aging because it can prevent lines from becoming. Permanent. So that's the first thing, along with a really good skincare regimen and sunscreen. Mm-hmm. Now we all love the sun. I love. A, I love the sun. I drive a convertible all the time. I've been lucky um, that I don't have horrible sunspots, but it's very important. Make it. Make it a thing that you do every day. Just put some sunscreen on. It's not the end of the world. You can get some that 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 is just really soft, and 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 you can even get a tinted one, so it makes you look a little tan if you want. <laughs> but those are the first two simple and easy steps for a man to halt that progression, meaning not look older as they get older. Now, obviously certain things do get older and we lose elasticity like we talked about, but you can at least prevent forming these wrinkles. Now, if I shift it and say, what is the most common complaint? It's a little different. And the most common complaint that men have across the board is a little bit of extra fat. And it could be distributed in a multiple different areas, and we're going to kind of talk about all of our solutions to it because you can inject it, you can suck it, you can freeze it, you can you burn can it, burn <laughs> it. You can do it all. There's a lot of there's a lot of different ways to get rid of fat, but it is the number one complaint that men have because, again, as we all get older men and women the our body composition changes and our hormones change and getting rid of some of that kind of stubborn fat even through exercise and diet in certain areas of our body very very
1: hard Mm -hmm. i you know um with male plastic surgery is such a large uh branch of our field and i i think maybe one of the easiest ways that we can go about this. And and again, for any man that's listening out there, pay attention, doesn't mean you have to do all of this, but we're just showing your options. And for any wife, girlfriend, significant other, um, you know, who kind of want their husbands to step up a little bit, we're offering you education on some of the options that are available. And maybe if we just start from head to toe, I think, um, you know, we can start uh, at the very top, Mean one of the biggest factors or fears that men have is losing their hair. It's one of the biggest things. I mean, we look and uh, the idea is, you know, some people, I think the stat that I just read was something like 50% of individuals will start losing their hair by the age of 30. Uh, And I thought that was really young. I mean, it was a little scary. Yeah. And because uh, most
0: of it is, is again hormonally mediated. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at your if you look at your relatives, it's a clear indication of kind of what's going to happen to you mm-hmm. and this is it's interesting you br- bring this up. The hair transplantation is the one variable or, or one procedure I should say that is very heavily dominated by men. Mm-hmm. All the other procedures that we can take a look and look at all the plastic surgery statistics mm-hmm. across the board most of 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 the male plastic surgery side of it is about 10% of what it is for the females however this is different the, it, this this is heavily skewed towards men.
1: Definitely. And, you know, the most common androgenic alopecia is just male pattern balding, um, you know, due to surges and uh, and fluctuations in testosterone. Uh, we also have the, uh, you know, influx of DHT, dihydrotestosterone. Um, and that really brings in all of the, the bad things associated with men, uh, you know, acne and... Uh, hair loss and things like that. So, um, and it's always you know, like we talked about before. If you see, or if you number one, if
0: you know that you have hair loss in the family, get after it right away. Mm-hmm. Now there's ways we can get after it, and and oral medication can really help this hormonally mediated hair loss.
1: I I read a really interesting article just today in um, in PSP. I think. And it was talking about a new discovery, I think, that's on the market because, you know, we're going to talk about some of the current treatments that we have, but, um, you know, you've heard of microneedling and PRP, play the rich plasma and injecting, and we'll kind of go into some detail on that. And and I think we will have an entire episode just on hair restoration alone because it's such a large uh, uh, branch with so many different options. Um, but, the interesting part about microneedling, which is kind of micro trauma to the area, we're, we're basically trying to turn on hair follicles that have either become senescent or um, inactive. And so this new article says that there is a nano patch that's going to be coming out. So um, that tends to wake up, in parentheses, or in quotations, um, these the stem cell uh, at the base of the hair follicle. And so they're noticing these are uh, mice studies that are showing that when they place these nano patches, which are full of ceramides and uh, other uh, nanoparticles and proteins that are really for boosting hair production, uh, that the hair is growing thicker where these patches are being placed. Oh, so it's wow. something really cool that's coming in the future. So we're going to stick patches on our head? Mm-hmm. Right on. Listen, I'm ready to do anything. I like it. Uh, I like it. You know, thank God, both of us would be able to keep our hair, for, at least for the most part. I mean, yeah. m- myself, I can speak for receding hairline, but um, you know, a lot of men have been put on uh, finasteride, as you know, you may know it as Propecia. These are great medications, and the whole idea is, there's nothing out there that necessarily grows hair. What it does, there are three hair cycles, you know, the, well, I should say one hair cycle, but there are three different phases. And one is the antigen phase where the hair grows, the plateau phase, uh, and then there's a telogen phase where the hair falls out. There, is, there isn't a single treatment out there yet that will uh, solely build the antigen phase. We, we can't grow new hair. But what we can do is we can slow down the telogen phase. So imagine if you've got a forest, that's thinning, and you've got new hairs growing all the time, uh, and the other trees aren't falling down because you're keeping them there. The forest looks thicker. That's essentially what's happening uh, with our hair hair growth. So that's where Propecia comes into play, minoxidil comes into play. Um, we have a new uh, hair product in collaboration with uh, Kensugi um, that has redensil in it, which is a, a product that can also help. You know boost the antigen phase and reduce the telogen phase. And, you know, so it just looks at hair, hair just appeal, appears thicker. Um, you know, we've got PRP and microneedling, as I talked about earlier, which essentially is an amplifier to grow, you know, to grow the hair a little thicker, to have the shaft of the hair look a little thicker. So, but I think really where we're at, so these are some of the basic points. And now maybe we can talk about, you know, our current best therapy.
0: You know, again, for people that are, that are, have, they just see that they're losing a little bit of hair. It's not the end of the world. They don't have bad patches and they don't want hair transplantation. All the things Dr. Lakey talked about are great. If it's to the point where you actually see that there's hair loss and you can see your scalp, well, the one advice I give everyone is do it as soon as possible. Earlier, the better. You have better hair follicles or stronger hair follicles. And there's something called single follicular unit hair transplantation. So unlike the old days where you'd see a big whack basically in the back of someone's head, a big scar on someone's head, because what they would take is a big strip of skin and hair, and then they would put that in as as a transplant. Well, now it's different. Now we take individual hairs and transplant them. So the best part is there's no scar at all. So no one will ever know you've done this. And depending on the craftsmanship of the text and and the actual design of how we lay down the hair, it could be completely completely natural and unnoticeable, and it just grows back your own hair
1: and, and make no mistake uh, you know it 's very rare that the physician actually does the actual hair transplantation. basically, what we do is we set the pattern you know you look at the number of follicles that are going to be transplanted or the approximate amount, and you want to place them effectively um, and then we want to look at the rotation of the hairline, which way the hair is facing. But really, after you've given the plan, the tech is the one who actually performs these procedures. Absolutely.
0: And you know, you're know you talking about starts at about 8 o'clock. You go home at around 4 or 5 o'clock, an eight-hour day or so. You hang out. You're wide awake. You take one pill just to ch- chill yourself out and a little numbing medicine. And you just sit in a chair for the next eight hours. And you can be on an iPad. You can listen to music. Do whatever and you're out of there. It's an outpatient procedure. Your head's a little swollen and, and and possibly bruised with some headaches for about three to five days. And then you basically write off into the sunset for the time being. It takes up to a year for you to really see good hair growth. Mm-hmm. Because first, the transplanted hairs will fall out, and then they will start growing in. And it really does take time for them to grow in and get thicker. Um, but really, this is the gold standard it is the best way to do hair transplantation and i tell people men and women alike but we are talking about men now if you are losing your hair and you really do feel like you're going to head in a direction where you're not going to have much hair and you have good hair in the back of your head great way to kind of fill those areas in and save yourself some time We hope you're enjoying this episode. If you'd like more information about our practice, you can check out our Instagram. It's plasticstocks P-L-A-S-T-I-X-D-O-C-S on Instagram for more information. Dr.
1: Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. Uh, so now that we've covered hair restoration, or at least the hair transplantation, now let's move down to the face.: you know? right.
0: well since since you do all the face stuff, I'm just going to kind of throw it at you and let you take over, because I know you know just like women do facelifts and, and rhinoplasties and, and, and facial rejuvenation, whether it's fillers or or, or it's, it's fat, men do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the numbers are, you know, if you, if I read directly off the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, you've got for facelift surgery, the difference is about 10%. 120,000 women get it versus 12,000 men. And that was three years ago. I'm going to pull up 2021 and see how big of a difference there is in a mm-hmm. sec. But I'll let you touch on that.
1: Yeah, I think, listen, the, the ever-growing trends... Like I said, it used to be we age like fine wines. Now it's much more acceptable uh, for males to undergo plastic surgery. And so um, the idea is some of the most, uh, the fastest growing procedures uh, are rhinoplasty and facelift. You know, rhinoplasty has always been a a staple, uh, a particular staple for men. Uh, But facelifting, which was on the decline uh, over the last couple of years, has now, we've seen an emergence of uh, more people that want to undergo this procedure. And we've seen a huge surge in males. Um, I think it's because we've, uh, you know, we have the trained people, uh, you know, skilled surgeons that can alter the pattern. You know, I think in the past we've seen, you know, certain uh, actors uh, that have undergone uh, facelifts and it's looked... Uh, you know, very odd. Uh, you know, I won't list any names, but I think Kenny Rogers. We, we we know some of them, and it's because what we're doing is we're we're really trying to apply a female pattern to a male face, and it's just never going to work. Um, and so, the goal is for males. You know, we still want that heavy brooding brow, uh, but everybody wants a jawline, and so the idea is, um, you know, the vector of pull is still relatively the same. Our our incisional pattern is different, just because most men have short hairlines and things like that. Um, as far as jumping, you know, that's jumping into the, the you know, the grandest uh, procedure. But I think what you were talking about earlier, you know, again, one of the best things for males to start. And if you ask me, what age, I'll say even, uh, you know, closer to thirty, mid twenties, closer to thirty, um, start Botox. Because, uh, you know, most of our studies show now you won't have wrinkles until you're 50. You know, the idea is you are preserving. And uh, if you can alleviate the formation of rightids or wrinkles, um, why wouldn't you? Uh, you know, there, I agree with a little bit of character. It's completely fine. Most of us have a scar somewhere. You go ahead and use that as your your character. Um, you know, uh, crow's feet—they're uh, not the worst thing in the world in men, but you know, if you you're going to get them, no matter what, you may as well lessen the blow a little bit and start with some uh, some Botox or any other type of uh, neurotoxin.
0: You know I, what I in, what I notice more, and the statistics kind of show it too, is men really feel like. As they get older, their eyes change and and some of it is, is really kind of very simple' its, it's the upper eyelid begins to look a little hooded or sags and and they feel like you know they're looking older because their eyelids have dropped and also big bags under their eyes and I just I say this because I because I was filming you do one on Thursday um, and it's incredible the transformation you can give a man by taking out under eye bags, mm-hmm. um, and how easy it is, honestly, it, it, and you know, it, it it makes a huge difference. It makes people
1: look twenty years younger. Yeah, than those, those are some big bags. I I, I agree with you. I think it, just that tired look all the time. And in my opinion, um, if I had the choice of correcting an upper lid or a lower lid that's very puffy in a male, I would go with the lower lid, hundred percent, because. You know, again, it's not the worst thing in the world to have a heavier brow or a little bit of excess skin um, on the upper brow. Whereas for females, it's different. I mean, you want to see more of the upper eyelid. They wear makeup. Uh, you don't want your eyelashes leaving, uh, you know, mascara on your uh, your upper eyelids. Uh, and so, I understand that. But for males, it's a little different. So, I think you can achieve more. Um, by altering the plan. This is not, again, males and females, obviously very different. And so we have to approach them differently.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It, along the same lines, we lose volume in our face. And if, and if they don't want to have a facelift, some men come in and it's not necessarily, you don't approach it the same way. You're not trying to fill a man's face up like you would a woman's. It's different. It's a little bit of a different art than, than, than what you would for the same exact age in a woman. And and, and
1: again- each, We have had those patients, by the yes, way. Yes, we have.
0: I, <laughs> I took care of one a couple, couple of days ago. Um, and, and you do what you have to, but it's interesting because the face, just like you do with, with a woman, a man's got the same complaints. And I'm going to throw one other area, which, is, which are the ears. Um, and you've done some- adult male otoplasties, which Mm -hmm. is... Ear pinning. I mean, you know, some people grow up with their ears sticking out to the point where they're made fun of their whole life. Sure. So they hit their mid-30s and they're like, I'm still made fun of. Now my kid's making fun of me. <laughs> so to the point where they come and in and do a two-for-one special. Two. Exactly. Um, so that's another thing for, for men. They, and, and, and otoplasty, your ear pinning, is another thing you can do for men. Sure. Again, to make them feel better and look
1: better. You know, and that, that surgery, it's interesting, that surgery is normally performed at age five or six um, because the the cartilage is very malleable, um, so one of the main complications with doing it as an adult is you have very stiff cartilage, and so you really have to try to overcorrect a slight bit in the beginning because you know you're going to lose a little bit, um, and so you know we're looking at this is 2020 data for ear surgery. We're looking at 53,000 individuals, which um, you know total in male was 22,000. So you know, we're almost thats 42% of all otoplasty is done in males. So, um, you know, these numbers are slowly climbing. And, uh, you know, even what we were talking about uh, earlier, I mean, it used to be that it was only females getting uh, facelift um, and it's no longer the case. Absolutely. And, and
0: you know, when, when you say facelift, we'll just kind of drop it down to the neck as well, because you know, there's a couple areas. There are a couple of areas where you look at for men or women, but I'm really going to talk about we're really talking about men. So, when you look at a man and they have a sharp jawline, and mm-hmm. it, it makes not only them look better, but it makes someone look younger because as we age, again, things begin to sag. So, what is your take on this, and how often do you see men, older men, come in, or even younger men, come in for neck lifts?
1: Um, it's, it's extremely common now. In fact, I just did one last week and, um, you know, what I will say, jawline contouring can be as easy as, um, you know, coming in and getting some filler, you know, at the angle of the jaw, you can add some to the chin and you can change the shape of the face with relatively minimal volume. I mean, it really is amazing. And it gives that masculine look. You know, as we age, the angle of the jaw just effaces. It just slowly melts away. Um, and that's a combination of things. Sometimes we have a little bit of fat and um, the musculature isn't as tight, tightly adhered to the underlying mandible. But, um, you know, we if we can recreate that shadow where you look at someone from the side and they have that crisp angle to the jaw, It tends to have that youthful appearance. And so it could be as easy as that. Next thing that's really common is chin augmentation. I mean, just adding a little bit of volume, you know, in the form of a chin implant can, can really work wonders. I mean, some men, you know, the new trend for everybody was to grow out a beard. You know, it used to be the goatee. Now it's this big bushy beard. And many men stick with it because they have such a small chin that it make it gives them a very masculine appearance. You shave that beard, and all of a sudden that goes away. So this is one way where it gives you the option. You want to grow a beard? Fine, but uh, if you do want to shave, become clean shaven, you add a little volume to the chin in the form of an implant, and it can drastically improve, uh, you know, that contour. Yeah, clearly the term strong chin. <laughs> And that, you know, uh, the male that I did the other week, uh, just last week, you know, 55-year-old male came in, uh, just wanted to look better. This isn't a facelift candidate or face and neck lift, um, but there are new technologies. And so I always say, all right, we've got good, better, and best Good is a mixture of Botox in the neck just because, uh, you know, sometimes you have prominent musculature, which we call the platysmal muscles. And you can also add Kybella, which is a little detergent that can eat up some of the fat. Best, obviously, a surgical lift because it's reproducible. You know exactly what to expect. Uh, but it comes with downtime. It comes with incisions and things like that. Better, that middle option, is using newer technology like radiofrequency. So something called face tight, which through tiny little incisions, essentially you perform liposculpture, you heat up the skin from the inside, and that radiofrequency technology will tighten the skin. You can get a 35% skin tightening, which is is significant. Now, to put into perspective, it's not 80%. That's more like a facelift or face and neck lift. But 35% in some males is all you really need in combination with the liposuction, now we're approaching 50%, 55%. So I just took the dressings down today and uh, this guy looked at, you know, I had prepared him for appropriate expectations. So he expected there to be just a little bit of a uh, a gobble left. And when there wasn't, he looked and said, my, my God, I'm absolutely thrilled. This is more than I could have possibly uh, asked for. And this, you know, I gave him all the options. We did, uh, you know, uh, quotes for the facelift and neck lift. We did quotes for fat transfer and all the things that could have made him much younger. And he said, you know what? I don't want this. All I want is to get rid of this little gizzard that I have here. And, uh, you know, I think that technology worked out well for him.
0: That's awesome. That really is great because it, it makes a big difference when they, when you don't, it's psychologically, when you tell them they're not having a facelift or a neck lift, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I'm just having a little, couple little tiny incisions, I'll do it.
1: Of course, and that's why the mini facelift became so popular. It was still facelift, but it, because they said it was mini through a smaller incision, everybody was like, oh, yeah, listen, I want that. Um, you know, it's the same thing, people, but uh, we just try to limit the incision. and All semantics. Yeah, listen, you know, without being gimmicky or anything else, the idea is, would we love to be minimally invasive? Yes, of course. But you don't want to sacrifice overall results based off of that. Now, some people come in and they just say, look, I want to look better. If you want to look better, great. We have all kinds of instruments in our armamentarium. But if you want the best, then you know you're going to have to sacrifice something for it. It's just the way it is right now. You know, 100 years from now, we'll probably laugh and we'll alter DNA and we'll do whatever we can. You know, we'll reverse aging uh, that way, but we're not there yet, people. So
0: let's keep going. Um, something that, that a lot of people complain about, and this is not necessarily an anti-aging thing, but it does fall into male plastic surgery. And it's it's a term called hyperhidrosis. Mm-hmm. Hyperhidrosis, just all it means is hyper means a lot. And hydrosis is sweating. So it's a lot of sweating. Um, so... People have it in their hands, they have it in their feet, they have it in their armpits. Uh, and what do we do to take care of it? It's really, there's there's not that many options.
1: Everybody here has seen that male wearing a T-shirt, raises his arm, and all of a sudden, there's that big yellow gunk and sweaty mess. And it's just off-putting. I mean, there's no other way to say it than, uh, you know, it's it's just, uh, it would be unattractive for a, for a female. There's no doubt. Um, and so the goal for us is to... Uh, you know, try to reduce or eliminate that sweating for as long a period as we can. And there are certain, uh, you know, antiperspirants that are out there that last three days. Uh, I think one is certain dry. There's a few more brands out there that do the same thing, kind of stings a little bit. Uh, But there are, you know, a few other options. Yeah, and, and Botox works really nicely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Botox has a lot of
0: indications. We spoke about this in a earlier podcast episode um, and all of its indications. But putting uh, Botox strategically into areas that cause sweating, whether it's the palm of the hand or the armpits or other areas that you think that you have a whole lot of sweating, well, then it works. And it works normally. Uh, it's... Uh, 50 to 100 units for each area, 50 units or so, so 100 for two areas. And it lasts normally anywhere between three and six months. Mm -hmm. Um, It it all depends on how much you're sweating.
1: And imagine six months of no sweating. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. I've got buddies who come and do it all the time, you Mm -hmm. know, twice a year, come in, get injected. You put a topical anesthetics and no one really feels it. And then they almost immediately within two days, stop sweating. And for some some of my buddies, it's a game changer.
0: Absolutely. And then they ask you, is there compensatory sweating elsewhere? Because if you're not sweating in your armpits and you used to s- sweat like crazy, are you going to sweat out of
1: your earlobes? You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's not the case. You know, you're not going to start panting like a dog. This is, uh, you know, the body works in mysterious ways. And so... Um, even if you uh, eliminated uh, just a, a few more breaths of, uh, of that uh, CO2 and perspiration, I think um, you know, you're not going to notice it. Hello, beautiful people. To celebrate the launch of Forever Young, we'd like to offer our listeners a special discount on our premium line of skincare products at beverlyhillsmd.com. Go to
0: beverlyhillsmd.com and use the promo code FOREVERYOUNG20 to get 20% off your first order. That's beverlyhillsmd.com. Promo code foreveryoung20. Please share, rate and review on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Be right back after this break. So now we're going to we're going to really go to the to the crux of this whole thing. And, the, and what I kind of started out with is most common complaint is extra fat or extra fullness somewhere on the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are multiple ways to go about this. But first, we're going to really kind of talk about the one and only treatment that is geared towards men. Mm. And that's something called gynecomastia. And gynecomastia is, uh, is really just a, a, an abnormal growth of breast tissue uh, for men, uh, normally directly underneath the nipple areolar complex. There are different grades, um, but there, there are different ways to take care of it. And it really has to do with the amount of fat and the excess skin. Um, so a lot of man, a lot of men will come in here and they'll, they'll complain of um, having man boobs, and you know this is there's two ways to look at it. One is just extra fat, and the other one is is there really extra breast tissue? Um, and really, there's two treatments for it. One is called direct excision, making an incision around the areola, taking out the disc or the excess breast tissue that's sitting there. Um, with or without lip suction, and the other thing is doing lipo, um, hidden incisions around the chest, and really going in there and taking some of the fatty tissue out. It's really more effective if you do have that that disc underneath the nipple or the complex to really excise it. Um, but lip suction is a beautiful way to do it. Sometimes um, we actually add Body Tight or radio frequency so we can tighten the skin at the same time. Very common procedure. Brings you know gives back the, the confidence that men need and are looking for to go to the beach, take their shirt off to be in a relationship because they feel like, you know, they're carrying around C cups or D cups mm-hmm. and we want to take them down to a nice flat chest.
1: Yeah, listen, sometimes, you know, it's very common. You see it early in puberty just because of the surge of hormones, that's completely normal. Most of that just resolves on its own. And obviously, we want to rule out some of the medical causes. If you have a family history of breast cancer and it's unilateral swelling on one side or, uh, you know, every single person, obviously, we check labs. The idea is you want to make sure there's no testicular mass, all things that could potentially, you know, cause gynecomastia. There are other things, uh, you know, as far as ingredients in, uh, in our foods and coffee and things like that, you know, soy um, and, and marijuana, all things that can lead to gynecomastia. So we have to eliminate some of these factors. But once you have cleared them of the medical causes, uh, it's fairly simple to do this treatment. There were, you know, out of the reported cases last year, there were 20,000 you know, just over eighteen, eighteen and a half thousand. 18,500, you know, but these are of people who are undergoing plastic surgical procedures. I mean, uh, this is such a common issue. And, you know, I just had a patient that we just did uh, a few weeks ago that, you know, was like, listen, I I just hate wearing a a T-shirt. If it's at all tight, it makes it look like I have small breasts. And now after the treatment, removing that disc of tissue- He's not even wearing a t-shirt. Yeah, well, well listen, now <laughs> he's, he, the first thing he said, he's like, my, my shirts just fits so much better now. And I, it just gives you that confidence back, so.
0: And, and it's interesting because when I first said removal of fat, we discussed there are multiple different ways to do it. The only place on the body that there isn't multiple pla- ways to do it is the chest for a man. Um, and, and technically for a woman and what i 'm talking about is basically doing other non invasive types of fat removal, um, including things like cool sculpting and placing it onto areas of unwanted fat without having surgery on the chest it 's kind of a contraindication because we've you can't use any type of radio frequency and from what I understand is it's very painful to put the cool sculpting applicator there. So we really don't use non-invasive methods of tackling gynecomastia or excess fullness in the chest for men.
1: Also tends to be a little more fibrous. So it's tougher to get rid of that fat, even... You know, Is there's some breast uh, tissue in there? Yeah, so even sometimes, you know, if it's an excess amount, just doing liposuction alone doesn't do it. It's nope. uh, that fibrous fat that's and but breast tissue FCS that's hard tar- to take out. That's right, definitely. So, so, so that's you
0: know that's very common. Um, if you have this, this. Um, condition called gynecomastia, sometimes insurance companies do take care of it. Um, sometimes they don't. It all depends on uh, your own insurance company. And, and if you have any factors that are leading to this, uh, endocrinologists can work you up and so can we. Um, moving along while we're on the whole fat topic, stubborn fat that we can't get rid of. And that's really the number one um, complaint that men come into a plastic surgeon's office. If I read off of this uh, uh, 2020 plastic surgery statistics, liposuction, there was 211,000 cases and that was men and women. And out of that, 22,000. So 10%, a little bit over 10%, right? What do we got? 11%. 11% were men. And I think that number is just going to continually go higher and higher. I know that in our practice, I feel like we're doing more surgery on men every year. Um, I think people want to look better and they want to feel better. And the complaints are everything from, I don't like the way my belly looks, I don't like the way my arms look, I don't like the way my legs look and most of all i don't like the way my flanks look mm-hmm. and yeah, those usually. the the arms and the legs the complaints are not nearly as much as they are in women but when it comes to the midsection men just have a hard time getting rid of that sometimes
1: yeah it is you know females have such a specific pattern it's that saddlebag you know that area it's a medial thigh things like that whereas males it is flank and lower abdomen i mean it's just it's that tougher fat, the resistant fat that's, you know, virtually after you hit a certain age, it's virtually impossible to get rid of. And you can eat as well as you want, exercise as much as you want. It's always the last place to go. So sometimes, and it's not that you have to undergo liposuction. I mean, this is where some of the other treatment uh, modalities come into play. And so, you know, we talk about M-Sculpt, which I think is phenomenal technology. And I think we'll probably have an entire podcast based off of this high intensity focused electromagnetic energy um, but this particular uh, modality, um, depending on whether you have the M-Sculpt or the M-Sculpt Neo, will build muscle, burn fat, and even tighten the skin. So it's like the trifecta, the holy grail of, uh, of non-invasives. So, um, and that's something that men can use. It's 20,000 uh, know, basically super maximal contractions in 30 minutes. You would never be able to not only do the numbers, but you wouldn't even be able to contract the muscle as hard as this machine would. And it has a a setting on it that clears the lactic acid. So you wouldn't be anywhere near as sore as you would even if you did uh, 200 sit-ups. So, um, you know, it's just fantastic technology. And sometimes you want to, what we do at least, we
0: mix these technologies and surgery. Mm-hmm. So routinely, anyone that gets a tummy tuck or a liposuction, and men do get tummy tucks as well. We can talk about that in a minute. Everybody gets Sculpt after because it only enhances your final result. Mm-hmm. Because what better way to get your muscles kickstarting after you haven't done anything for four to six weeks than technology? Um, I think there's a great way to get rid of of fat non-invasively. Cool sculpting is one of them again. Um, it's worked well for years. We've had it for many years and it's for the candidate that doesn't have the time, doesn't want to have surgery and they could still get rid of that, that extra nagging fat. Um, but the ones who want to do lipo, totally fine. Also, if they want to do lipo and take some of that fat and put it in their face because they've lost some volume there, they can do that as well. Um, those are pretty much the, the most common procedures. But with that said, every procedure that's done on a woman relatively, obviously, you know, can be done on a man. Um, And the numbers are just growing because of the fact that there's just, people are living longer and they want to look better. So that 60-year-old that now feels like he's really 40 um, wants to look like that too. So if he catches it on early and does some of these things before it gets too late, then at 60, he'll look more like he is 40.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think... You know, again, we're if looking at all of these procedures. The whole goal—it's not to make you look strange, operated on, anything like that. I mean, if you look at our aesthetic, it's completely natural. Um, the goal is if you had something done, no one should be able to tell. That's that's the goal for men and women, but especially important in males because uh, there are certain stigma associated with each of these procedures that, if done incorrectly. Uh, you'll end up looking like a weirdo. And so the goal for us is to not allow that to happen. I think one of the last things that we have here, and this uh, this has been the bane of some men's existence uh, since the beginning of time. Uh, it's that Neanderthal hair, you know, how do we get rid of it? And everybody's seen 40-year-old virgin, the uh, waxing and, <laughs> you know, all these things. You know, now we have technology that ultimately can uh, eliminate hair. You know, hair removal lasers have been around for a long time. And there are different types of lasers. There are different heads, meaning uh, sometimes you can cover more territory. But ultimately, uh, you know, this is kind of the, the last bit here. So the tailoring. So we're making you look younger. We've given you more hair on the top of your head. Uh, we 've refined your jaw, chin, and neck we 've stopped your sweating we 've gotten rid of your man boobs we 've sculpted your body and now we have to get rid of that hair and so you know using uh particular lasers uh, um, you know this is now easily achievable it doesn 't tickle um, okay. this is something that uh, you know again you 're going to put in your dues, but the idea is to get rid of that unruly back hair and uh, sometimes men have them at the lower aspect of their back and uh, and things like that. Um, it just you know can make for a more aesthetic and appealing look. And this is permanent hair loss. And so the idea is, is it going to happen in one treatment? No. Again, we have a hair cycle. And so you have to catch each hair in the hair cycle. So you'll probably need multiple treatments. You come in, usually get a, a topical anesthetic that will help uh, at least... Uh, take the edge off of that particular laser. Uh, minimal downtime, then just wait until you hit that next mark and then you'll come back in. So you'll you'll have multiple uh, sessions, uh, but the idea is you'll slowly see the hair thin over time. I
0: mean, yeah, there was someone here last week that was doing hair removal off of his ears. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's great crazy because, you know, again, some people don't see these things, but some of these little things really, really bother people. Mm -hmm. And it may be a game changer for a relationship. So, you know, a lot of these things that we're talking about and and we've hit are just basically ways to increase a man's confidence, Mm -hmm. um, make them obviously feel better by looking better, but without making people look different
1: and make no mistake this does not replace exercise and an appropriate diet you know these are things you want to look younger those are the easiest ways to do it you stay in shape as best you can what we're talking about is for those who just have those stubborn or resistant areas that's where some of these treatments come into play and uh, facial rejuvenation as far as microneedling or botox or a few fillers here and there that is strictly to slow down the aging process. And so, you know, hopefully you guys have learned something here today. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add. No, I
0: think we did it. I mean, you know, I I haven't had most of these procedures yet, but you never know. (laughs) Down the line, you never know.
1: Oh man, I've, you know, I've had filler injections and Botox and microneedling. You know, I'm a big proponent of using some of these things just because I definitely have to keep up with my younger wife. And uh, I got three toddlers on the, you know, that are are here that I have to uh, maintain youth for. And so- Never wanted to be the uh, the grandpa at the soccer field. You, but, you know, but They I want to say, be known as dad. They do
0: say practice what you preach, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you're talking about it and not doing some of the stuff to see what, I'll never forget when I said, we need to do this just to see what it feels like. Mm-hmm. I want to see what a needle feels like when it goes in my own forehead. Yep. And I go, wow, that was easy. Yeah. I mean, and, and it really is. That's one thing that I, that I do want to stress. Most of these things that we're talking about are relatively pretty simple things. You know, now surgery is a different story and you can sit down and talk to your doctor about it, but just to get some Botox, it takes five minutes. It lasts three to four months. And I promise you, it really slows down the aging process to the point where in 10 years, you're going to turn around and be like, wow. And there are major studies done that have shown this, mm-hmm. that show people that... Twin studies, one that's taken care of herself and one that hasn't and how different they look. So my advice is take as good care of yourself as you can. Avoid the sun like we talked about. Maintain a good diet and exercise program and um, come see us.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, definitely stay tuned for the next episode. I think it's going to be pretty exciting as well. Uh, it's Dr. Daniel Poor' specialty, and that's boobs. Um, and so I, I think you're going to learn something here. This, remember, this is forever young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payment Daniel Poor.
0: Listen to us on the iHeart app, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your podcasts pace from iheart radio forever young is a cavalry audio golden hippo production we are produced by brandon morgan josh windish does our editing and mixing
1: payment and i serve as executive producers along with dana brunetti and keegan rosenberger